Welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast, where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Find us online, pathtozion.com, 24-7, or you can find us, of course, here on YouTube. And uh, we wouldn't mind you sharing this with anybody if you feel like it's a benefit to someone who is maybe specifically in this one, just wrestling with, with Christmas traditions and maybe just asking the question, is this really sourced in the Bible? Is it sourced in God's ways? Is this pleasing to him? And this is the crux of everything I keep saying in this proposal is, is it pleasing to him? Is this pleasing to Yahweh? Because if we can know that, I mean know that according to what he says and according to his criteria and what he tells us in his word, we can move forward. But if there is unsurety towards that, if we're, ooh, I don't know. I've always assumed that he's pleased with Christmas. I I go to plays about Jesus's birth. I've got a nativity scene with Jesus laying in it. I, I do an advent calendar where it's got some Bible verses in it, and I've always assumed that he's pleased. But as we've talked about, and I believe established in the last part, in part four, we have been warned endlessly in the Word of God about not going the ways of the nations. And my proposal to you, friend, is that the Christmas tradition is steeped to the utmost with the ways of the nations and pagan deities, ancient practices where men have time and time again in different ways and different names done the same thing that the Christian majority do today with Christmas about perpetuating what we want to do and what brings us happiness and good memories and fun times and enjoyable things. And we stamp, in our case, we stamp Jesus on it and say it has to be good. We, we read the Bible stories about Jesus being born. Even those, friend, are not accurate. 99 times out of 100, you will not see a proper teaching towards Magdal Edar in the place, that, the place which is the tower of the flock where the sacrificial perfect spotless lambs were kept and raised and, and preserved and, and set apart for sacrifices. And that's where Yeshua Messiah came. He was not delivered because nobody wanted him and, oh, poor lowly Jesus. And God looked down from heaven and cried because nobody on earth wanted poor baby Jesus. So throw him in a dirty manger with hay and cow dung and donkeys licking his face. Friends, this is not the biblical account of the arrival of the beautiful slain lamb. And so, again, that's just something else, another layer, if you will, of how traditions have been so demeaning to the depth and the beauty of the story of the Emmanuel reality. And it just goes—it's endless. It goes on and on, and, and we choose to put out our nativity scenes that depict what's not even true, and we perpetuate all these things, known or in ignorance, either one, because we like them and because that's what our fathers did and that's what makes us feel good. Like we talked about with the Christmas spirit, man, you can feel the holiday spirit. You can feel it. It is a tangible, literal, real emotion. No one would argue that point. I don't care what you believe, how you celebrate, what you do, you can tangibly feel the emotion of 
the Christmas spirit. Now, how we get there is different for all of us, and that's what's alarming about it, is the ways of the nations come in different ways and delivered are delivered to us in a way that is pleasing to us, and we identify with that, and it invokes all these wonderful emotions and memories that perpetuate the cycle, and then we teach our children, and they teach theirs, and they teach theirs, and the ways of the nations continue and continue and continue. And friend, alongside that, as that has gone out through history in the Christian church, we have forsaken the feasts of the Lord. We have traded in His feasts, His Sabbath, for the traditions of men. Why don't we do Saturday Sabbath for the most part of wide-way majority Christianity? It's been replaced. A group of men got together and said, we think we should do it on the day of the sun. Okay, we make it a law. We make it a rule. It's understood from here that if you're really going to be in the church, you worship on a Sunday. Well, who gave you the authority to do that? I don't see that in the Bible. Look, if you're going to worship God of the Bible, you worship on Sunday, friend. Got it? Over the years, tradition, 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 and here we are now, 2021, and what do people say? Sunday, the Lord's Day. We tackled that on the subject of um, the series we did, When Men Change Sabbath. Friends, we have got to understand what this Word of God teaches and what the traditions of men that we have inherited are, are often not the same in any way. They're very different and actually opposing one another. Now, as we talked about the ways of the nations and then what do we do if, in fact, removing everything in Christian culture and Christian Christmas that has pagan origins doesn't leave us with hardly anything, in fact, it leaves us with what? The, the unadulterated feasts of Yahweh Elohim. And they show up, Leviticus chapter 23, verse 4, these... It's talking about, it's preceding a list. These are the appointed times, feasts of Yahweh. They are holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at the times appointed for them. Now, we're, this is not a feast teaching in the sense of what is Passover? What is Sukkot? What, we're not walking through all these and saying what they are, when they are, what you do, and what we're told in the Word of God about how people celebrated his feast. We're not doing that for the sake of time because this is already obviously a lot. But what I am saying is we have been told in the Word of God what to do and when. I want to ask again, how do we endorse what, what no one does, denies is a man-made holiday, a man-made festival, Christmas? How do, we, how do we give ourselves to that year after year, Christian church, Yet we ignore what the Bible has instructed Yahweh's people to continue to memorialize and celebrate. We have left that behind and said it's not for us, but a, a, an, an invented holiday that is sourced in the ways of the nations, we do embrace. Friends, it's not okay. I don't believe it's all right in the eyes of Yahweh. I, I think he sees it and it grieves his heart. And we could say as far as biblically speaking, it angers him that his people would, would be led astray so easily. So I would submit that the, the primary reason that all the worldly celebrations and traditions have been necessary 
and embrace with such vitality is because the enemy has been incredibly successful in duping Christians into believing that the feasts of Yahweh are outdated, burdensome rules, and Torah is just regulations that that in bad doctrine we're told we couldn't keep anyway, which is disagreeing with the Word of God, which says these are not too, too much for you. And they're not for us, is what we have been taught. I don't have to keep the feasts, as we've talked about already. I hear so many people say that. It's so, so sad that I don't have to do that. Well, you don't have to keep Yeshua's commandments, right? You don't have to. You don't have to keep what Yeshua taught us to do either, do we? But he said what? If, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will do this. It's the same. He's speaking the words of the Father. How do you show me you love me? You walk in my ways. You walk in my commandments. You walk in my statutes. And you are obedient to what I say is and is not. You love what I love and you hate what I hate. And thereby you love me. We cannot just nebulously love Jesus in here. Well, I... Okay, so you say this is pagan, this is idolatrous, this is a tradition of men, this is sourced in a Norse mythology. Okay, well and good. God knows my heart, and he knows I love Jesus, so it's okay. Friend, that is not an acceptable excuse. It is not. It is not. Jesus, Yeshua said, if you love me, keep my commands. I didn't say that. So if you love him, you will do what he says, <laughs> and you will not do what he says not to, not to do. It's very, very simple in that sense. Now, coincidentally, all the covenantal promises of Yahweh towards Israel and the grafted-in Christians are still 100% val- valid. We talk about that a lot, all the, all the good things that we get. However, the qualifications of our part, of, of, of what we need to do for those things to come to, ba- come to pass is somehow expired. We, we're not held to that anymore. We're not held to those covenantal if-yous. In other words, the church gets all of Psalms and Proverbs, blessings, and all the other endless lists in the Scriptures of what comes to those who, who love the Lord. And again, we love Him by doing his prescribed ways, keeping the feasts of Yahweh Elohim. That's how we come and we meet with him. He says, I'm coming to meet with you right here. Our our love is demonstrated by our obedience to show up and come at his appointed feasts, his appointed times, his festivals, not our own, not our own. We're not out of town doing our own ways. Father said, I will meet with you on this day, this day, is when we shall go to meet with our Father. It is that simple, I believe. So what about the when-yous and if-yous of this covenantal reality? We're not just simply in Jesus and everything is added to us. It is not that simple. It never is, it's never told to us that simply and plainly. In this age specifically, I don't understand it. I'm not saying some big prophecy, but it go. It's worth noting that there are a lot of people awakening to to Torah, feasts, and Sabbath right now. It's it's if you're in it, you see it, and if you're out there, you don't see it. But says that's the case with anything, right? 
But there are so many people all over the world now, like saying, wait, the feasts of the Lord are for me. <laughs> these are rehearsals for me to be prepared. And when I, when I do this, I see all these layers of other scriptures and teachings of the disciples and, and, and words of Yeshua and parables make sense and wedding models and, and <laughs> all these things just explode into, oh, my gosh. So many people are having this experience, like myself, awakened to the ancient way. We know that it's been hidden from us when we, when we begin to ask questions. And Father helps us to see in His Word through the power of His Holy Spirit to illuminate things. I never saw that before. This, if you're, if you're not in this understanding of coming out of new religion Jesus and the church started in Acts chapter 2, you will read texts that I read my whole life that I only saw as such a one-dimensional presentation. But, but, but coming into whatever this is, this ancient way understanding and perspective, and put everything in the New Testament as proper commentary towards the old, and how everything points to law and prophets, and everything that we're in now played out in Israel and continues to, 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 to cycle, you miss the, the enormity of God's plan <laughs> that's buried within his feasts. It's just buried within it like this, this mystery that, that sadly so many people are missing. I knew this before. When we used to gather here in our home with other families, we would talk, me and the brothers, we would talk. There's something about the feast. There's something about these festivals. I don't know what it is. Why don't we know anything about them? We talk about, we need to get a gentleman that, that I know uh, who's been doing feasts for decades. We've got to have him come and teach us. What are these mysterious feasts of the Lord? What are these things? But we never knew what to do. I listened to one of my old podcasts from over two years ago that I was speaking from a place of like, the conviction of my heart. I don't do the feasts. I don't even know what to do, where to start. What do you do? Who knows? But when we begin to give ourselves to these things and unplug from the goyim ways of the nations, traditions and festivals and celebrations of men, all of a sudden, as we close that door, I believe Yahweh takes the blinders off. Some, and it's different ways for different people. Like I said, we came out of Easter and Christmas and all that years ago, years ago. But only two years ago did we begin to look at Torah from a completely different vantage point than what we had been taught and inherited in normal Christianity and do, do, keep, memorialize, celebrate feasts and Sabbath. And, and for us, it was, it was along these steps, these stages. For others, it's a different way, a different pattern, a different uh, step in. It's different for everyone, but it has to coincide. There has to be a price paid, a leaving, and there has to be an entering into. Now, how that looks, don't claim to know. It's different for everyone, I'm sure. But the feasts of the Lord are somehow presented in the wide way Christianity is bondage. Or, of course, an identity issue, an identity crisis arises where they're not for us, right? They're not for us. Um, but the traditions of men established in pagan practices, we justify and say, well, that is. Now, Ezekiel chapter 20, verses 10, 11, 12, 13. Um, I want to read these. So I had them leave the land of Egypt. Of course, Yahweh is speaking to the prophet, and he's talking about his people in Israel and what happened and the things that transpired. 
And so he's 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 kind of filling in some things for us, and of course for Ezekiel uh, firsthand. I had them leave the land of Egypt, and I brought them into the desert. I, Yahweh, gave them my laws and showed them my rulings. If a person obeys them, not obeyed them, but if a person obeys them, this is not bound by time to the Israelites in the land of Egypt that they were leaving for for that time period only, but. But the verbiage is, if, he, if, that per, if a person now obeys them, he will have life through them. I gave them, those people, my people, my children, my Sabbaths. Why? I gave them my Sabbaths as a sign between me and them, so that they would know that I, Yahweh, am the one, am the one who makes them holy. And again, holy, kadosh, set apart, distinct, marked, different distinguishable, identifiable, not going the ways of the nations, which is a hodgepodge of beliefs and traditions, but a way that says, no, I'm a marked man that is part of the people of Yahweh Elohim. I look different. I celebrate different. My traditions are different. They are my Christian spirit, not Christian, my spiritual forefathers, those who preceded me, going back through all these people we could name, the Hall of Faith, all these men and women, all the way back to Father Abraham, man. (laughs) It's a beautiful story that we've been invited into. It's incredible that we can be invited into this. Continuing on, Ezekiel 20, verse 13, The house of Israel rebelled against me in the desert. They did not live by my laws, and they rejected my rulings, which, if a person does, he will have life through them. A repetition here. Moreover, they profaned my Sabbaths. Then I said I would pour out my fury on them in the desert in order to destroy them. Profane. Man, I, would, I don't think I've done a teaching on profane. Holy and profane. Holy, consecrated, set apart unto a purpose. Goes right along. You can move just one step over to being sanctified. Profaned is ruined, tainted. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Verse 17 through 23 of uh, Ezekiel chapter 20. However, I spared them from complete destruction. I did not completely finish them off in the desert. I said to their children in the desert, don't live by the laws of your fathers. What? Don't go against any tradition that is different than what I have told you. If it's outside of what I have said to you, it is a tradition of men. It is the ways of your fathers, their laws, their ideas. Don't live according to those. And don't observe their rulings. And don't defile yourselves with their idols. I am Yahweh your Elohim. Live by my laws. Observe my rulings and obey them. Keep my Sabbaths holy. And they will be what? Friends, listen to these things. My Sabbaths. And this this goes on further. It can be built upon my Moedim, my feasts, his feasts, his possession, his creation. These things will be a sign between me and you so that you will know that I am Yahweh, your your Elohim. So can we just say that? Say, let's simple. Let's just take scripture and read it for what it says. I'm not sure we can know that he is Yahweh, our Elohim, unless we are the ones keeping his Sabbaths holy, his marked set apart Moedim 
feasts and festivals as well, because they're a sign between he, he, and us. It is a mark. It is a stamp upon us that these are my people. Why? Not just because they love me and they're ooey-gooey. We love Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're the reason for the season. But we do what he commands. If you love me, keep my commandments, said Yeshua, Jesus, the Son. (laughs) Continuing on. But the children, too, rebelled against me. They did not live by my laws or observe my rulings to obey them, which if a person does, he will have life by them. Redundancy is important. For us, if Yahweh says something three times in three verses, we better pay attention. Yet they profaned my Sabbaths. They made them common. They polluted them and made them ordinary. Nothing matters anymore. No holy, consecrated, set-apart feasts of the Lord. Every day is like another. I've heard that the last two years front and center from so many Christian brothers and sisters. Every day is holy, Joel. There is no specific set-apart holiness to any day. That is not what Yahweh says in his word. He says, you have profaned my Sabbath. What did he say in the Ten Commandments in regarding the seventh-day Sabbath? Remember it and keep it holy. In other words, don't profane it. Don't make it common. Don't make it ordinary. It's my day to be a sign between me and you. So he says, continuing on, I would pour out my fury on them and spend my anger on them in the desert. But nevertheless, I withdrew my hand and allowed concern for my own reputation to keep me from letting it be profaned in the sight of the nations who had seen when I brought them out. He will preserve his name. I also raised my hand and I swore to them in the desert that I would do what? We're kind of In the timeline, we're going back and forth, but I would scatter them among the nations. I would disperse them throughout the countries. Why? Because they hadn't obeyed my rulings, but had rejected my laws and profaned my Sabbaths. And their eyes had turned towards the idols of their fathers. Friend, do you hear what this is saying in Ezekiel chapter 20? The same thing in scriptural form of what I'm trying to present within the festivals of men and Christmas specifically, is I believe the same thing as within this, this text of Ezekiel as well, where Yahweh's people profaned and made normal his ways, his Sabbaths, his feasts and festivals, and just made them no, of no significance, washed their hands of them and said, it doesn't matter anymore. And they went what? They turned towards the idolatry of their fathers. In other words, they inherited the lies of their fathers and and their celebratory ways to do whatever they deemed was right, generationally speaking. And by doing so, they were put out by Yahweh Elohim in rebellion. And friends, I'm telling you, that is what we have done. That's what Christianity has done with all of our traditions. All of our traditions that the, the ways of the nations have have been poured out here and there. We've assembled all of them. We've made our own tradition that we've said is godly but is not. I would say we've done the same thing. Now, there's numerous New Testament examples that show where people were intending to keep the feasts. They were keeping the feasts. 
and would keep them again in the kingdom. I don't have time to do all this. If you want to write them down to look later, okay? New Testament examples of people that were intending to keep the feasts of the Lord. Or were do or an example of where they were doing it, or an example of a future tense yet to come reality where they will be done again. Luke 2:42. Luke 2:42. John chapter 5, 1 5 verse 1. 7 verse 2, 7, 10 and 14, 12, 20 of John, Matthew 26, 2, Matthew 26, 17, Matthew 29, 1, and 1 Corinthians 5, 8. A little homework if you want it. Now, even in the coming kingdom, and we'll bring this one to a close, my goodness, even in the coming kingdom, we find that people everywhere will be obedient to Yahweh's set-apart Moedim, His appointed times, okay? We see that in a yet-to-come reality. Isaiah chapter 66, verse 23, And it shall come to pass, that from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, shall all flesh come to worship before me, says Yahweh Elohim. So if, you, if I knew nothing about the Rosh Kodesh understanding, the new moon, and, and the scriptural directives towards it. I had never heard it in my life until roughly two years ago, two and a half years ago. A new, what, are you, what is this? This sounds like idolatry. And that's just how far removed we are from what the Bible talks about. And from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh, all flesh now, all flesh. This doesn't say from one Sabbath to another, my Jewish children will come to worship before me. No. From one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says Yahweh in Isaiah chapter 66, in a prophesied age to come. All flesh from one Sabbath to another. So the Sabbath, Yahweh's Sabbath, will be existent in a yet-to-come day. Zechariah chapter 14. It speaks of a prophesied, quote, day that is coming. A great ingathering is before us, is what Zechariah prophesies. Now, if we follow the Feast of the Lord, we know that this is what Sukkot, or Tabernacles, booths, is rehearsing for. Chapter 14, verse 16, gives us more specifics in regards to the ongoing mandate of Yah's feasts. Quote, And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the festival of Sukkot, tabernacles. Okay, so what in the world? We're talking about a, a, a yet-to-come prophecy of a kingdom where everyone that's left of all the nations shall go up from year to year to worship the king. And how will they do that? By keeping the Feast of Tabernacles. Well, I thought that's all done away with when Jesus came. He abolished all that. That was all types and shadows, and he fulfilled it all. Friend, no. No. <laughs> I'm not going to beat my desk. No, we've been, we've been errantly taught. And what about those who refuse, I've I, I referenced this a little bit in part four, what about those who refuse to celebrate Yah's feast 
of Sukkot, tabernacles. Curses. Just as it's always been. Quote, this goes on in Zechariah chapter 14, and it will be that whichever the families of the earth, that's a general, isn't that not a general umbrella now? The families of the earth that do not go up to Jerusalem to worship the king, Yahweh of hosts, upon them there will be no rain. So, I thought all that's done. I thought there won't be any of that left. The feasts were, again, a foreshadow, a type, a precursor, a, just a little foretaste of what Jesus fulfilled to the utmost and eradicated. No, friend, no. We'll read this and then we'll wrap this one up. To further the point of who this instruction to keep Yah's feast applies to, let's go all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 16. Quote, You shall celebrate Sukkot, Feast of Tabernacles, booths, for seven days, when you have gathered in from your threshing floor and your wine vat, and you shall rejoice in the feast. Okay, here's the who part. You, your son, your daughter, your male slaves, your female slaves, the Levite, the stranger, the orphan, and the widow who are in your towns. Friend, can you tell me who's left out? Who is excluded from this? Wow. Servants, sons, daughters, Levites, strangers, orphans. Kind of sounds like everybody, doesn't it? But to be clear, this applies to all peoples. And then Deuteronomy. Then, I believe it will be required, as we just read, clear. Not I believe, this is just reading the Bible. If you can read the Bible, you can see the families of the earth in the future tense, in the kingdom yet to come. So how in the world are we now exempt as we talk about the Feast of the Lord side of this, of this series? How in the world are we exempt now? Free to set up our own feasts, our own festivals, and do as we wish, and ascribe worship to Yahweh and Yeshua via it with a clear conscience. Where are we ever given license to do so in the Bible? And, and most of all, as I keep saying, is this what pleases our Heavenly Father? Is this what pleases Him? Everything has got to be boiled down to what we do and what we don't do to that question. Does this please my Father? And we know that, we learn that by devouring this. And listen, friend, not by devouring Matthew on, but devouring this. Because the words of the Messiah were the words of his father. He did not come to institute a new religion and replace his father's ways. He came to invite us into the beautiful celebration of the feast of the Lord. So again, I'm going to end this where I've ended most of these parts. You have a choice. Probably going to have one more part here where we talk about the beauty of rehearsal and what we see about the invitation from the wonderful, merciful Father to be called one of His children. And so stick around. I'm proposing we'll probably have one more part. And then we'll be concluding Festivals of men or feasts of the Lord, another biblical challenge to Christmas. 
Reach out to email us if you have not already. Patdesignpodcast at gmail.com is the way to do it. Thank you so much for watching. Amen.